Welcome to the Jam Pack Report today for August the 6th of 2023. I'm Jam Pack Sam, and on today's show, we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3 not coming to Xbox until 2024. The future of Battlefield could be a reimagination of the franchise. Quake 2 looks like it's getting a remake announced in the next couple of days, and Remnant 2 has sold 1 million copies with no end in sight. We've got all this and more on today's show, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Baldur's Gate 3 has taken the world by storm since it released on PC this week, and in fact, people are already calling it one of the best RPGs of all time and another Game of the Year contender, but unfortunately, Xbox players are not going to be able to dive in. Now, PlayStation players, you are good to go because the game is launching on September the 6th, just a couple of weeks away, but Xbox development issues have held the game back because of parity between Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S releases that Microsoft requires. Right now, it seems like split-screen co-op seems to be the issue, but we have more comments from Larian directly. Jordan Midler over at VGC has the story where he writes, The upcoming RPG Baldur's Gate 3 may not release on Xbox until 2024, it's been suggested. Writing on Twitter, Larian's director of publishing, Michael Douse, seemed to imply that the issues relating to launching the game on Microsoft's platform may not be resolved until next year. Quote, we have quite a few engineers working very hard to do what no other RPG of this scale has achieved. Seamless drop-in, drop-out co-op on Series S. We hope to have an update by the end of the year, end quote. In June, speaking to IGN, founder and creative director Swin Vinky was asked why the game is coming to PC in August and PS5 in September, but still doesn't have a date on Xbox Series X and S. According to Vinky, the issue lies that a Microsoft policy requires games to have the same gameplay features on both Xbox Series X and Series S. While Series S games often have a lower resolution, frame rate, or level of detail, this is considered acceptable by Microsoft given that it's less powerful than the Xbox Series X. What isn't considered acceptable, however, is the removal of modes or other features. The issue then, as confirmed by the studio in February, is that the split-screen co-op mode runs perfectly well on the Xbox Series X but is struggling to run at an acceptable level on the Xbox Series S. The team is reportedly hesitant to remove split-screen co-op altogether, thereby making the Series X version less feature-rich than the PS5, but Microsoft's policy also means it can't just remove it from the Series S version and keep it in the X version. Explaining the complexity of the co-op mode, Vinky said, You are very free in what you do, more free than people expect. That means you can run into a really big city that's much more dense than people expect. You can do all kinds of craziness, so it requires a lot of optimization. On certain platforms, we're just faster than on other platforms. It just takes us time. That's the reality of development. It's not that we planned this. Our plan was that we wanted to have a simultaneous release, but we've been on this game for a long time. It's a really big game. The amount of things you can do on it is insane, and I think people will be really surprised when they see everything. There's constraints we have to overcome, so we just work on them. Some take more time. Venki also conceded that there ultimately may have to be some compromises made to the release on the Xbox version, but chose not to go into further detail. First and foremost, I hope that this issue gets solved and that everybody across every platform gets the full version of Baldur's Gate 3, because that's ultimately what we all want. Players want the full, unbridled version of the game, and the devs over at Larian want to give us that. That is simply what needs to happen. 
But there is no getting around the fact that this creates a very awkward optics issue for Microsoft, where this requirement to release a game with full feature parity across the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S is creating a problem for Larian and likely with other studios as well. So then we get to... Should Microsoft change this policy? Should Larian or other development studios in the future be allowed to remove things like co-op if it's not running well on the Xbox Series S and included in the Xbox Series X version of the game? And there isn't an easy answer because the immediate reaction is, yeah, sure, let them do what they will, but that will be abused. And considering the point that we're at in the generation where the Xbox Series S is the best selling version of this generation of hardware for Microsoft, you've got to make sure that that player base is nurtured. You've got to make sure that they don't feel like they've gotten a lesser product just because they purchased the lower end model of Microsoft's hardware lineup right now. They were promised feature parity. They were promised the full next gen experience. Now it might be the full next gen experience with an asterisk beside it dialed back to 720p running at 60 fps or whatever the trade-off is for the version of the game that they're playing but no matter how you cut it they're still allowed and able to play these games without any kind of features missing and so it's a good policy to have but if microsoft is going to keep it in place they need to be prepared to have a team of people ready to help developers make it happen, ready to spend a lot of time and a lot of money uh, to be able to make these games run on the Xbox Series S because there is no getting around it. Some of these games that are coming out are getting more and more graphically intense. Baldur's Gate 3 is very resource intensive. We have a lot of other games that are pushing the limits of what we have seen in the world of gaming and the Xbox Series S is just a less powerful piece of hardware and so they've got to figure out how to work some engineering magic and make all of this stuff happen. So Baldur's Gate 3 not coming out until 2024. It's unfortunate, but also this is kind of what we preach a lot of the time where, yes, it is going to be delayed. Yes, it might not come out until next year, but I would rather have a complete version of the game come out next year than an incomplete version come out alongside the PlayStation 5 version that makes Xbox players more upset than they would be if the game was delayed by, let's say, six months or so. That's the situation as I see it right now. So it's going to be an interesting landscape to follow as the Xbox Series S continues to get older, as we see a new one coming out here in the next couple of weeks with the Starfield uh, release. They're releasing the uh, one terabyte carbon black Xbox Series S kind of alongside that game. So they're continuing to pour money into putting that console out there and making it a bigger part of their lineup. Will it continue to hold the generation back or is this kind of a one-off situation? This is the only example that we've seen on this scale where developers are publicly saying that the Xbox Series S is holding back the game releasing on Xbox. Will we see more of that? Time will tell. So we'll follow along the story as it comes. Uh, But certainly unfortunate that Baldur's Gate 3 is not going to be coming to the Xbox platform anytime very soon. Soon, but not very soon. So we'll have an update by the end of the year. But we'll have more news coming from Gamescom 2023. And Xbox has shared exactly what to expect whenever the show does hit later in August. Maxi Graf, the integrated marketing lead at Xbox, writes, We're excited to meet Xbox players at Gamescom in Cologne, Germany this August with fan experiences that are bigger and better than ever. It's the fans that make Gamescom the biggest gaming event in the world, and we are thrilled to greet you this year with the largest booth we've ever had at Gamescom. 
Attendees will be able to experience a huge amount of exciting new games coming to Xbox, PC, and Game Pass with fantastic photo opportunities and the return of Xbox FanFest. If you can't make it to Cologne this year, don't worry. We'll bring the Xbox booth directly to you with deep dives, gameplay, and developer interviews live-streamed across three days of the show. We can't wait. And from there, we head over to Windows Central's Brendan Lowry, who writes Microsoft Details Xbox's presence on the Gamescom 2023 show floor. During the event, attendees can look forward to the opportunity to enjoy 30 games across 150 gaming stations, engage with various photo ops and activities, and view presentations for Starfield, Forza Motorsport, and Era Histories Untold in a 300-seat theater. Playable games at the show will include the world gameplay debuts of Stalker 2, Payday 3, Jassant, Armored Core 6, Party Animals, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, Under the Waves, Persona 5 Tactica, and more, along with Towerborn, an upcoming content headed to The Elder Scrolls Online and Microsoft Flight Simulator. The full list of games can be found at the link, but Microsoft is also hosting a PC Game Pass Challenge that will give fans the opportunity to win a variety of different prizes, including PC Game Pass subscriptions, HP Omen Gaming Laptop, HyperX PC gaming headsets, and memberships for GeForce Now Ultimate. Details on the challenge are scarce, but Microsoft calls it an adventure for attendees to experience in its blog post. So, if you are going to Gamescom, you've got a lot of exciting things to look forward to from the team over at Xbox. Uh, But I do want to say, love this wallpaper, by the way. This is the Gamescom 2023 promo image. But man, add a little bit of uh, motion to this, throw this as a dynamic background, you would have a winner right there on the Xbox uh, home screen. But let's talk about the games you're going to be able to play. And I think it's very interesting here. So playable games include Stalker 2, Payday 3, Jassant, Armored Core 6, Party Animals, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Under the Waves, Persona 5 Tactica, and more. Stalker 2 did not expect that to be playable at the show. Of course, right now, that entire team is embroiled with the Ukraine war that's going on right now, and development on that game has been in turmoil because of that. I mean, your entire country is currently a war zone, so it's understandable that completing your game by the end of 2023 probably isn't your top priority, but very cool to be able to see that game playable. Also, Payday 3. I'm excited to see what people have to say about that, because personally, I was very underwhelmed from the gameplay debut that we saw during the Xbox Game Showcase a couple of months ago, Uh, but if the game has had a significant amount of polish added or if it plays incredibly well, that one could be big, and that's also one that's coming day one to Xbox Game Pass, and I think that is the perfect example of a great game that should come to Game Pass. Because the more fans and the more players you have playing Payday 3, the more people are going to be able to dive in with their friends, uh, do a couple of different missions, things like that together. And it creates a more uh, encompassing experience that people want to dive into rather than just feeling like they're playing solo if people don't want to go in on Payday 3 on day one. Also, Phantom Liberty. Excited to see what that expansion looks like. Of course, Idris Elba uh, is a big get for the team over there. So that's going to be a great narrative expansion for the world of cyberpunk. And also Tower. I think it's interesting to see that one coming, which is a very Xbox-centric ID at Xbox games that's very indie in its nature, but also has that double-A kind of shine to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what fans have to say about that. Interesting also, 
that Starfield and Forza are not playable experiences on the show floor, at least not listed here. These are going to be presentations that are given in this 300-seat theater where you can learn more about Starfield, you can learn more about Forza and see development stories, things like that, but it seems unusual to me that Starfield wouldn't be playable just a couple of days before launch. Now, I've seen other podcasts and other creators uh, that have said, how do you showcase Starfield in a way that is a 10-15 to minute adventure? How do you have a vertical slice of this game cut out which is a fair point but for people to be able to go hands-on just to see how the game plays how is the gunplay in the game maybe give them a quick little mission to do where you're shooting a little bit you're looting a little bit and you kind of get the feel for the game i think that would have been a good move for it's a motorsport it's a racing game it would be great to see people go hands-on with that and be able to have the first impression of wow this is the best feeling forza game to date I'm really happy to see it on the show floor of gamescom uh and then era history untold kind of over there doing its own thing uh in the theater Str- just strange choices not that i'm nervous about these games but it seems unusual that you wouldn't be able to play Starfield and Forza. And this could be a situation of crowd control where you have Gamescom as the biggest gaming event in the world. You don't necessarily want the booth to be flooded by tens of thousands of people that want to play Starfield for five minutes at a time. So that could also be the move there. Uh, but I can't wait to see pictures from the show. I'll be following along with some of the live streams as well. Uh, Gamescom is kind of like E3 Part 2 in a way. And of course, we have Jeff Keeley with Opening Night Live. Lots of big news coming. And it kind of kicks off the fall release season as well. And the uh, Game Awards kind of cap everything off. So we've got a nice bookend situation here with Gamescom and the Game Awards coming up. It's an exciting time in the gaming industry. So... Out of everything listed here, let me know down below what are you excited to see, what do you want to see played, and on top of that, do you think that there is any cause for concern that Starfield and Forza are not necessarily playable at the show itself? Now, speaking of big events, QuakeCon is coming up next weekend, and Quake 2 Remastered looks to be on the way and will likely stealth drop on Xbox Game Pass. We head over to Pure Xbox, where they write Bethesda's annual QuakeCon event takes place in about a week's time, and it's looking like the 2023 convention will bring a surprise Xbox Game Pass launch. According to reliable leaker Bill Bill Coon, Bethesda is prepping a stealth launch of Quake 2 Remastered for pretty much every platform out there, including Xbox Game Pass, of course. It'll apparently just be called Quake 2, but it's certainly getting the full remaster treatment if this port is to be believed, or if this report is to be believed, I should say. And believe it, we do. Not only did we hear about this project back in June, but two years ago, the exact same thing happened for Quake. Bethesda dropped a remastered version for the very first game in the series during QuakeCon 2021. Quake's remaster also ended up in Game Pass, where it remains thanks to Xbox's ownership of Bethesda. QuakeCon 2023 takes place August 10th through August 13th, so if this Quake 2 remaster is real, expect to hear about it in an official capacity next week. I'm a big Quake guy, not to the point that I'm going to be attending QuakeCon, but like I'll tune into a Quake Championship. I'll play some Quake Champions from time to time. I've been getting back into it thanks to those Game Pass perks where we have everything unlocked. Again, big benefit of having Game Pass and that ownership from Microsoft. But I love this kind of thing because having Quake 2 with a new coat of paint on it makes it more accessible for people that might be used to modern games. Not to say that Quake's remaster is blowing anyone's mind graphically, but it's got some small quality of life improvements and the accessibility to be able to play on something like an Xbox itself uh, that makes this something that people do want to dive into and that do want to go back and check out if returning or for the first time. 
So I can't wait to check out the show next week, and of course, any kind of con in town is exciting. But if you haven't played Quake before, it's one of those old-school boomer shooters that inspired games like Proteus that we're playing today, and so many others that have come through the years. So really awesome to see this one potentially, allegedly, getting a new lease on life once again. Now, speaking of a new lease on life, EA promises the next Battlefield will be a reimagination with connected ecosystems, but fans aren't sure they want that. This comes from Hope Bellingham over at Games Radar Plus, where they write, EA has said the next Battlefield game will be a reimagination of the series, but fans aren't convinced it's a good thing. As reported during EA's Q1 2024 earnings call, the company plans to reinvent Battlefield again with the next game in the series. According to this call transcript, EA CEO Andrew Wilson says that, quote, a reimagination of Battlefield as a truly connected ecosystem was on the way on the topic of the company's upcoming investments. This is not the first time we've heard this kind of talk from EA. Earlier this year, Wilson spoke about Battlefield, explaining that the company plans to, quote, bring Battlefield back in an entirely new way in the future, which aligns pretty closely with the more recent reimagination claims. With their disappointment with Battlefield 2, or Battlefield 2042, I should say, it's fair that Battlefield fans aren't exactly feeling positive about Wilson's latest claims. Over on the game's dedicated subreddit, one fan wrote, Just make a normal Battlefield game. Don't reinvent the wheel. This is very simple. Go back to basics and stay there, which is about as straightforward as you can get in terms of fan feedback. Quote, I've been playing since the original 1942 release, but the franchise has lost its way, another Reddit user writes. I can't comprehend how EA can be so bad at designing something so obvious and straightforward. The formula is already there. Several other fans in the thread have said they've instead moved on to BattleBit Remastered and are having a much better time. And if you haven't checked out BattleBit, a uh, very good little game there. Cool indie-style Battlefield game that kind of looks like Roblox but plays like a hardcore shooter. Uh, it's one that's definitely been a big hit this summer. As a Battlefield fan, and as somebody who has been playing Battlefield on the regular since Battlefield, really bad Company 2, but going really into it with Battlefield 3, I've got to agree with the Redditors on this one. And I think it's a balance of pushing for innovation in a franchise and not getting comfortable versus knowing what works and what fans want. And I think that while Halo has had its issues, that's one thing that Halo, especially Halo Infinite, has done very well, and that is that it still feels like a Halo game. It's a modern Halo game, but it still feels like a Halo game. They haven't variated too far from what made the game a success back in the early 2000s. And with Battlefield, it is still that big-scale battle that people want, that military shooter, but... With 2042, the systems have changed, the complexities have shifted things around to the point that it's not what it could be. And I think that from what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling, fans would rather the entire franchise go back to what Battlefield 3 was. Go back to what Battlefield 4 was. Be a good military shooter. That's really all we want. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that this class-based system, which has now largely been reworked and pretty much reverted back to the way that it was before, the specialist system, uh, people don't want specialists necessarily. We would rather have equipment uh, with custom characters that we can kind of make uh, look like whatever we want, uh, have a wide variety of guns in the game, which we already have, and the big map, That's it, it's just a big military shooter. That's what Battlefield needs to be. Uh, and so this reimagination, this connected ecosystem, you're throwing a lot of jargon around, and I hope that it's just to impress investors. That's what I hope this is, because whenever an investor is looking at their investment, it's like, oh, they're reimagining a uh, fan-favorite franchise. That sounds exciting. Let me go ahead and throw more money at that. Could be a big payoff. Because if you say, hey, we're going to do the same thing we've done for the last 20 years, well, 
that doesn't really instill confidence for investors that want something new either. So I hope this is just a lot of fluff. And if this is a reimagination on 2042, hopefully they're reimagining what it was before. That would be awesome to see. So I have hope for Battlefield, but I would be lying if I said that I wasn't disappointed in how 2042 has gone. It is a good game now, but we are now in 2023. We are coming up on the second anniversary of this game. That isn't what needs to happen with Battlefield because now, yes, the game is good, but we have Modern Warfare 3 on the way. We've got a lot of other games that have come out. Apex Legends has a really good season coming up. You've got to give people a reason to be invested when the game comes out. And at this point, if somebody says, hey, I'm playing 2042, unless they're playing it on Game Pass, they're probably not going to go out and buy a copy. That's just the reality of the situation. But people have been buying copies of Remnant 2, I'll tell you that right now, because Remnant 2 has smashed records selling over a million copies in a week. Remnant 2 has been breaking records since its release, already overtaking Gunfire Games' preceding title and peak player count they write at PC Games M. The RPG game is well known for its dark setting and unique bosses, as well as its support of co-op play. It seems that the developers' work on making a remarkably improved sequel has more than paid off, as positive Steam ratings continue to roll in and new players pick up Remnant 2 to enjoy it with friends. Remnant 2 has now officially sold over a million copies, prompting the developers at Gunfire Games to share their excitement. Following this milestone and the groundbreaking announcement of Remnant 2 players just one day, or after just one day of being able to play, the dev stated as a commercial and critical hit, we're incredibly proud of the Gunfire team and everyone here at Gearbox Publishing who brought this title to life. To celebrate the massive achievement, Gunfire Games posted a brand new trailer for Remnant 2, which you can watch below. The team also gave a shout out to the player community, writing, quote, to everyone who helped us achieve this amazing milestone, thank you for your unwavering support. And they talk more about their detailed review of Remnant 2, but if you haven't checked out this game, it is absolutely one that you should check out. Uh, This is basically Dark Souls with guns. That's what the first one was, and the second one seems to build on what the first one did very well and polish it up even more. So this is one of those games where I think it really does capture the beauty of the AA space, where it's not quite a AAA game, it's not quite a first-party game, but it's got that level of polish that you would expect from that kind of thing. And the gameplay that I've seen is nothing short of incredible. So congrats to the team over at Gunfire for putting out an incredible title and a potential game of the year contender for some people. I mean, you know, we're talking about a year that has Diablo 4. We're talking about a year that has, uh, you know, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. But Remnant 2, for people that want that kind of thing, you did good. You know, you did exactly what you needed to do. So once again, congratulations. And if you're playing Remnant 2, I would love to know your thoughts down below. Is it worthy of game of the year? Do you think it's going to be your game of the year? And how do you feel about these sales figures? Again, 1 million copies sold, and I'm sure that has climbed significantly uh, because this is as of five days ago. So plenty more sales to come without a doubt. And sales will be coming for Killer Instinct as well because Iron Galaxy is returning to Killer Instinct with a major update to celebrate the game's 10th anniversary. This comes from VGC where they write the update, which was announced on stage at this weekend's Evo event in Las Vegas, will include balanced weeks, improved matchmaking, and 4K support for the Xbox Series X and S. Now just to recap, this is the uh, 10-year-old Killer Instinct that was released on the Xbox One. 
The reboot of Rare's classic fighting game franchise was first released for Xbox One in 2013, developed by Double Helix Games, and was supported with updates and new characters until 2016, after Double Helix's sale to Amazon post-launch development was moved to Iron Galaxy. Quote, we're doing a balance update and a major, major upgrade to all PlayFab services, James Goddard, design director on Killer Instinct's second and third seasons, told the audience at Evo. Matchmaking's a lot smoother, tournaments are easier, and more KI for the next 10 years. That's cool to hear. Xbox boss Phil Spencer discussed the possibility of Microsoft bringing back the Killer Instinct series in a 2021 interview where he said, I will just say, Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty and I have discussed many times Killer Instinct and where we would like it to go or like to go with it, and it's not out of our minds that it might be out of our minds, but it's in our hearts and in our minds that we want to continue to do something with KI. It's about finding the right team and the right opportunity, Spencer added, but it is not due to any lack of desire on our part that we're not doing more with KI because we love the franchise and the community response. So there is some acknowledgement of love there, but it's cool to see Killer Instinct kind of come back into the scene. And I love the way this announcement was made where they went to an Evo event to talk about the changes coming to Killer Instinct. They talked about this 10th anniversary update to the fighting game hardcore fans. That tells me that they're serious about this because that's like going to somebody who is the most passionate of the passionate to give them an update on the thing that they're the most passionate about. You're not just putting out an announcement on Twitter and saying, hey, 10th anniversary Killer Instinct update coming. Check out XYZ. You are going and talking about the improvements, fundamental improvements, I might add, to the game itself and the way that it plays to keep it going for the next 10 years. That shows me that they're very serious about this. So I'll probably be diving into this again. You're coming at a time when it is the biggest year in fighting game history. Really, if you look at what to, what, what 2023 is bringing, you've got Street Fighter 6. You've got a Tekken game on the way. You've got Mortal Kombat 11 coming out in just a couple of weeks. And then we've got this Killer Instinct update on the way. And so now we have the question of how many people are going to be turning their attention away from Mortal Kombat 1 and Street Fighter 6 and saying, yes, I would love to check out this Killer Instinct update. The hardcore fans will, and the hardcore fighting game community might check it out. But in the long term, this is going to be something that makes the 2013 game feel more uh, like an option for 2023 and beyond into 2024 and 2025. And it could blow up in the competitive fighting game scene once again. Who knows where that one will land. But cool to see the game still getting some love and that Iron Galaxy isn't just doing some basic server maintenance. They're really putting some love into it. But now we move on to Starfield where just as a PSA, it is a Play Anywhere title. This has officially been confirmed as a label on the Xbox website where if you buy Starfield on PC, you can play Starfield on Xbox. If you buy it on Xbox, you can play it on PC. And this is one piece of the puzzle that I'm so glad to see come together because Starfield is being set up to really be the first example of Microsoft's strategy firing on all cylinders. You've got cloud saves, you've got Play Anywhere, you've got Game Pass inclusion, and you've got a good game. All of those little core features are all coming together to make something that really could be a fundamental turning point for Microsoft in the history of the games industry right here. Because right now, we've all been waiting on Xbox to really bring it together, to really make the magic happen, and to make this strategy they've been building for the last 10 years come together in a way that we can really feel a difference. And if Starfield is able to be the game that people think that it can be, this is going to be the first example of that working and meeting players no matter where they are to deliver great content. That is something that's really cool. So once again, one copy of Starfield on PC or Xbox gets you access to every version of the game. You'll love to see that through and through. But while it might not be 
play anywhere, you are going to be able to have Star Wars Jedi Survivor on your Xbox One or even your PlayStation 4 because the game is getting a last-gen port. This comes from The Verge where they write, Star Wars Jedi Survivor will be released on PS4 and Xbox One, EA CEO Andrew Wilson announced during the company's Q1 earnings call on Tuesday. The game launched in April on PS5, Xbox Series X and S and PC, but skipped Sony and Microsoft's older hardware. So with this new release, people who haven't upgraded to the newer consoles will eventually be able to check out the game. However, we don't know exactly when Jedi Survivor will be coming to older consoles. Wilson said, thanks to the strength of this legendary franchise and community demand, our development team has committed to bringing this Jedi experience to PS4 and Xbox One. My gut says this is going to be a 2024 release because they're probably working on the port right now. Then we say, how will it run? Will this game actually be worth playing on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One? And I think this comes down to the fact that a lot of people that are playing older hardware now, or even the Xbox Series S to some degree, they don't really care how well the game runs. As long as it is fundamentally functional, as long as it plays well, that's what they really care about. The frame rate doesn't matter for people on PS4 and Xbox One. The resolution doesn't matter for people on PS4 and Xbox One. They want to be able to put the game into their console or boot it up digitally and play it. That's the requirement. And I think that the PS4 and Xbox One version of this game will look horrendous. It is going to look very dumbed down uh, because Star Wars Jedi Survivor is gorgeous on the Xbox Series X. One of the best games uh, I've played this year visually. But uh, on the PS4 and Xbox One, going to be looking pretty rough. However, uh, you know, there is money to be made. So, of course, they're going to pour money into that game. And finally, we have our first of two last stories of today's show. Discord on Xbox will soon let you stream your gameplay to friends. This once again comes from The Verge, where they write, Microsoft is improving its Xbox and Discord integration with a new streaming gameplay feature. Xbox owners will soon be able to stream their gameplay from a console to Discord users, allowing friends to watch them play games or even offer advice for solving challenges or boss battles. The new feature is starting to roll out to Xbox insiders in the Alpha Skip Ahead and Alpha Rings of Testing today and should be available to all Xbox owners in the coming months. Cool feature, cool integration here. And for a lot of people, this is one of those, why would I need this? Do we really want this kind of additions? And I'll say, yes, if you are a Discord user, you probably do. Because I know that my group of friends will stream their games to each other throughout the week. If somebody's playing a new indie game, they might throw it up so people can check it out, just kind of talk through it, uh, discuss the game. It's a cool feature to be able to have. And I think it's also a marketing tool. Where, like I said, if you're playing an indie game, you can throw that in a Discord. If you have a community you're in, a podcast community, uh, you can throw that up on Discord and say, hey guys, check out this new Xbox game that I'm playing, and more people can be interested in the game. So I think it's cool to be able to bring more of Discord's core features into the Xbox experience so that it can feel like a central hub for all gaming discussion. I think the Discord, especially as Twitter has kind of fallen out of my regular regiment of websites that I uh, spend a lot of time on, has become a big part of my life and has become a big part of the way that I talk to my friends online, especially uh, in the Xbox and gaming community. So cool to see this coming. And again, it should be rolling out to everybody in the months ahead. But you'll be able to navigate that Discord menu with a brand new Stormcloud Vapor Special Edition controller from the team over at Xbox. They write on the Xbox Wire, introducing a brand new controller to the Xbox lineup, the Xbox Wireless Controller Stormcloud Vapor Special Edition. This controller's rich color will pull you in, featuring a dynamic dark navy swirl, each with its own energy and pattern. The design is inspired by clouds and storming skies, with each billowing puff of vapor bringing a unique design to each controller. So again, 
Each of these is different. The design is completely unique for every single controller that they have made. Stormcloud Vapor features rubberized blue diamond pattern grips on the back case that allow you to hold on to all your gaming action. By using Bluetooth and Xbox Wireless, the Stormcloud Vapor controller can connect to Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One consoles, PC, mobile phones, and tablets, and it's got the 3.5mm audio jack, all those bells and whistles, but... Journey confidently on your gaming adventure for longer with up to 40 hours of battery life. And you can talk more about that. But uh, make your Xbox console reflect your personal style by changing its look and feel with the Stormcloud Vapor exclusive dynamic background. Stormcloud Vapor unlocks a brand new dynamic background once you connect your new controller to your Xbox Series X and S console. The dynamic background feature blue swirls in different tones, adding an exciting new theme to your Xbox console experience. And here you have it uh, up and running right here. I love this kind of thing, and I've talked about this before, but adding the idea of having accessories with unique themes creates such a more integrative, if that's a word, experience for people when they buy a new controller, when they're checking something like this out. Uh, With the Starfield controller, it makes it feel like more of an experience. I mean, on day one when Starfield drops, if you have the Starfield controller headset, you're going to be able to have that theme on your console, and it feels like more of a true experience versus something that's just kind of out there in passing as an accessory. So I love this kind of thing, the dynamic uh, backgrounds that are unique to the accessories once you connect them to your console is something I would love to see more of, and we've gotten plenty of this generation. So if you do want to pick one of these up, uh, it is going to be available for $69.99, available for pre-order now. Uh, that's pretty standard for an Xbox controller, but there it is once again. Very good looking design, I will say. I love the rubberized grips on the back. The standard Xbox controllers just have kind of the basic plastic. And so with the 20th anniversary controller, with the Lunar Shift controller, uh, pretty much any of the more elite models, uh, you are going to be having that rubberized feel on the back. So big win there. And again, love to see the controller expansion expand especially as we get more games to play with these new controllers it's just cool to have a little collection if that is something that you're into but that rounds out this week's episode of the jam pack report if you're new here and you enjoy the show you like what you see or what you hear hit that subscribe button on youtube and add the show to your podcast feed of choice to get it delivered right to you every single sunday at 10 a.m eastern time always a good time breaking down the gaming news with you all but until next week you have a fantastic one i'll talk to you soon and as always keep on playing